like want to stop and like add, I'm so like curious just to stop and be like I don't I'm not trying to be confrontational but why don't you think why why don't you have a mask on like that's what I that's in my next phase of life I'm like I'm like, can I can you just let me know why you don't have no mask on so I can so if and I know if I understand you then I'm crazy as you crazy I'm, I'm as crazy as you are but I just want to know like what what would possess you not to put something on your face that you probably got in your fucking bag like you right. probably got in your in your purse or your back your back pocket. And I'm talking to these people who are like, oh, I just can't breathe. I was, I read this, um, I forgot who posted it, this article of all these women, and it was multiple women who have delivered babies during this pandemic, who all had to wear masks for 38 hours of labor, 46 hours of labor. I'm like, these bitches is pushing 10 pound babies out they pussy for four days straight and was able to wear a mask and you can't walk to the Kroger to get your preparation H and 15 minutes in a mask because you can't breathe? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's a mess. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I, I just, I feel like I'm in a bad nightmare. Girl, this is a sh- our shared hallucination. Just in a shared hallucination. I mean, was- the only thing that's missing is the space aliens. I'm sorry, and I ain't mean I ain't mean to conjure that up. Mm-mm. That's not missing because you know <laughs> I was about to spoil the show, and we record people on Mars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Take me with you, then. Shit, can Elon <laughs> send me on up there? Elon, <laughs> send me on up there to Mars. Elon <laughs> supporting Kanye West for president. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the more foolishness. More foolishness, <laughs> y'all. When I tell y'all, I got so fucked up that I said, "Wait, is this shit real?" I said, "It's been a long weekend. Let me go ahead and drink this ninety-three proof." And y'all, it was just too much. It was that was just shenanigans. Welcome everybody to another wonderful episode of Four Layer Takes. We are starting a brand new series, The Watchmen. Um, as you know, HBO just released it for free for everyone to watch. We watched it when it first came out. We were excited and thought, what a great time to revisit. So this is, we are revisiting The Watchmen starting with episode one. I am Kim. It's me, Mimi. It's your girl, Mel. This is your boy, Marcus, a.k.a. Elijah McClain. Also, Today would be a good day to arrest the cops that uh, killed Breonna Taylor. Um, yes. please, call the Louis, please call the Louisville, uh, what do you call it, AD, and let them know that. Yes. We have a- <laughs> it's been, it's, it's always a good day to arrest the motherfuckers until they are arrested. Yeah. Yep. Second that. All uh, right, well. No, nah, so like Kim said, we are going to review HBO's The Watchmen, um, the miniseries, not the movie, though both are very good. But um, we thought this show was kind of prophetic in how it kind of applies to today, today, to today's society and today's life. Yeah, I was like super triggered by this episode, by the rewatching of Watchmen. I was like, oh shit. When I was watching uh, it, I was like, we live in this shit goddamn every time. I was like, who would have fucking thought? I, I made a note about that. This show is like a prophecy. It's prophetic. It's, it's legitimately scary. I'm like, dude, I'm waiting for the squares to fall out of the sky. Like, 
if if squid fell out the sky tomorrow i'd be like yeah that's pretty much on brand i would not even bat, bat an eye at this point I mean, all i can do is stay medicated if, if right now all i can do is stay medicated with something in my fucking system that's all i can think to do okay here we go guys so it's going to be a learning curve for all of us because it's a lot of information in these episodes they are true one hour episodes so i'm going to try a little bit of a different format where i'm going to try to go through and give the best summary i can of the episode um some people are going to chime in and out and then we kind of have a discussion at the end so I'm going to try my very hardest not to make it too long, but it is a lot of stuff. And I do have a lot of notes because I was, you know, on my insecure uh, taking notes uh, doubly time. So <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, I am, I've, I've only ever watched the movie and I've seen the show, but I have not read the comic books. Um, but they seem like something I may want to maybe read in the future. I don't know. So we'll see what happens since we're kind of living in uh, Watchmen right now. You will love both of them. You will love okay. both of them. We're living in Watchmen 2020 every day, so we're going to pray about that one. So I'm going to kind of start with the summary. Uh, we open up with basically the Tulsa massacre of Black Wall Street. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of a background, not a whole, whole lot. Um, I'm hoping that in the future we have one episode that just dedicated to Black Wall Street and what happened um, in 1921. So uh, just a quick overview. This is a very um, a wealthy, very well-off uh, uh predominantly black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where white supremacists basically went in and bombed them, burned their community down, murdered hundreds and hundreds, of, if not thousands of people, um, and just destroyed their community because they were wealthy and they were black and they were prosperous. And it's because they could do what they wanted to do. So this is kind of the first scene that opens up uh, this very, very profound um, uh, first episode of The Watchmen where we see a little boy watching a movie in a movie theater um, about uh, Bass Reeves, who was one of the first black US marshals, whose character is actually, um, the real life person was based on the character of the Long Ranger. So I thought it was a little bit, I know it's a lot, but I just wanna make sure I give Bass Reeves and that black man um, the credit for everything that he did um, as US marshal. So we open up on this scene where this, they're in the movie theater. They're kind of, the little boy is, we find a little boy watching the movie and he's enjoying himself. And then you just hear commotion and craziness going on. And basically his dad comes in and grabs him up um, to try to get him to safety. We find that his father is a um, ex-military, he's an ex-soldier and his name is OB. And he tries to hide his son in a, um, a trunk of his friend's car who they're trying to flee town. And they know that the whole family can't fit, but that he's just like, please take my son with you. Please get him to safety. He takes um, a piece of paper out, kind of like an old wrinkly piece of paper. And he writes a note on it. He puts it in the little boy's pocket and puts him in the trunk and um, kind of wishes some luck, you know, hugs him and kisses him and basically watches his child you know be driven away um so as he's been driven away down the street you see all this mayhem and murder and bombings happening of these black people in this community um so as the truck kind of takes off it kind of fades to black and you're just like oh well what happened did he get away and we find out that the car has um had a wreck and the two people the adults that were there um the mother and father that were driving have died and they have a little a baby girl so he kind of wakes up you can tell he's been knocked out he wraps her in um a u.s um american flag which i which i did not catch that my first uh, first go around on watching it which was something i definitely flagged this time and he just starts walking with her um he has his note remember in his pocket and he's just like well you know what mars our, our town is burning let's just walk and see what we got to do so then, okay, Mark. Mm -hmm. 
I was just gonna say, um, mm-hmm. it was just amazing. And when we I watched this the when we watched this the first time through, how Twitter was <laughs> lighting up with so many um, and mostly white people who were like, "What? I didn't know that. Oh, there's no way they were throwing um, incendiary." Uh, bombs okay. down from planes. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, that that actually happened. Yes, yes. <laughs> government sanctioned murder and destruction of this uh, black township. Which apparently, the inciting incident was a reported rape of mm-hmm. a of a white woman by a black man that uh, started no, all of elevator. Yeah, this. Yeah, there's always been a Central Park Amy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, like Mimi said, I, I just couldn't believe in 2020 there were people that were just learning about Black Wall Street and the Tulsa Race Massacre. Like, I, I, that goes back to a failing on the, like, American, like, history, like, the American teaching system. Like, I, I remember in high school, we spent more time talking about Martin Luther, the, um, what was he, a theo- the, theologist or whatever, Lutheranism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We spent more time talking about him and we did talk about Martin Luther King Jr., the civil right. rights activist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's all by, it's by design, but it's by design that these all things happen. Um, it's by design. And guess what? But now they know um, people are waking up in 2020 and, uh, and, and learning. And I'm, I'm learning. I didn't know much, enough about it myself as a black woman who knew about it. I didn't know enough about it mm-hmm. and, um, and want to do better. So we get to the next scene where we're kind of now we're in modern day society and uh, we learn a couple of things that's happening right now, kind of these rules that are being set in this new universe. Because it's, mind you guys, this is not America that we know today. It's a totally different made up universe that has been created. So they have different rules they go by. So we see a a police officer having a traffic stop and he's a, a black police officer stopping a white guy. Um, and he's like, oh, it's a routine traffic stop. He goes up and you realize that some, some things that we learn are that the police wear masks over their face to hide their identities. Um, cars do not run off of gas. They, ha- they run off of battery power. So you kind of saw um, his battery power uh, charging up and down in the car. Um, police have to get permission before they can use their guns. They can't just go and get a gun and be like, oh, I'm going to shoot up, shoot up the place. Like, no, you have to have permission. You have to have reason to use your gun and you have to prove your reason to use your gun via a, a more of a bureaucratic system and somebody that gives you permission to unlock it. And um, uh, that we found out that Rorschach, uh, there are these Rorschach masks that this terrorist, this white supremacist organization wears. So you kind of building this up little by little, you see, okay, these masks that's in this guy's glove compartment. He has lettuce in the, he has lettuce that he's carrying around and transporting. So we're like, okay, this is kind of a different reality than what we all know is our reality. So the black cop pulls him over and he's basically like, you know, what's going on? He peeps that there's a Warshock mask in the guy's glove compartment, which is against the law because that is that is representative of this terror, terrorist organization that has done something three years prior to what's happening right now that we'll get into a little bit later. So the next thing that you see um, is, uh, so he has to actually call in to say, this is what's happening. I need some help. Can I get X, Y, and Z? Can I get my gun released? And they're like, well, you need to tell me this. Why do you need a release? Are you in harm's way? Are you being somebody killing you? What's happening? I don't, I don't really know. Um, so this is kind of where we are right now. Somebody has something to chime in? 
Yeah, I, I just wanted to say that uh, another thing that was going on with this remake is you had a lot of um, uh, conservative individuals uh, during this this whole s story saying like, oh, this is just a liberal agenda to bash far right conservative viewpoints. And I was like, that is almost completely opposite of what was going on throughout this show because I was like, here you have what would be deemed as a liberal agenda where you have to get permission to use your weapon and it's the thing that costs a black man his life or he goes to the hospital or whatever. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool how they, you know, wove all of that into It's not just something bashing one side or the other, you know, yeah. other questions from both ideologies or whatever. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's it. Kim, you had something? I don't know. I don't know where this fits, but <laughs> the, and I, I'm coming to this world as a newbie. I knew nothing of the Watchmen. I've never seen the show. I've never read the comic book. I was excited because we got a black woman starring and it seemed good from the trailer. Like, is this I your first time watching it with us now or your second rewatch? This is my rewatch. Okay. Um, so what I've been finding out as I'm learning things, it's the Rorschach mask or the symbol. Mm -hmm. He was so far right, I guess, is what I'm learning. And so people at the time, Twitter was like, why are they making The Watchmen a political show? When apparently, and Marcus can back, say whatever since he's the most learned in the world, it's always been political. Yeah. <laughs> it's, always, it's always had commentary on homophobia, on yeah. women, on other things, so. And, I, and to think about it, I wouldn't even say Rorschach was far right. I would say he Rorschach, wasn't. He, wasn't. Would, he would be more like towards almost an anarchist. Mm -hmm. um, and like, and how, how it, it happens through time, how his message had through time got construed to be like right. some kind of conservative talking point or rally right. was crazy. I don't know how that happened. It got bastardized, and it got bastardized in this movie because I, I mean, in the show, because watching the even watching the movie, Rorschach right. is the character in the in the movie um, that from back in the day. Like, it, and he was on the team. He was still crazy, but he was a part of, of the Watchmen team. Rorschach in the movie was ne was never racist. He might have been like no. conservative, but he was never he was, racist. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But I do <laughs> like how the story took that character in, but because that's how movements. That's how stuff happens in history. People will take something and manipulate it to their own yes. agenda. And by the time you see it again, it doesn't look anything like it originally looked. No, I, I yes. mean, of course, black, like, like they try, they're trying to change the Black Lives Matter movement. You even go back to the Civil Rights Movement. They love to talk about, now they love to talk about MLK and how he's a peaceful protester, but they don't like acknowledge that like, he was assassinated it's a, at, it's during his time for his viewpoints. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They, they, so what we're seeing is the people that now um, have bastardized this, the writings of Horshack are now the next evolution of this terrorist organization. That we're going to learn, I'll uh, tell you a little bit more about them in just a little bit. So what happens is that the black cop is gunned down while he's trying to get his gun released. Um, uh, is He just gets 
sprayed with bullets. Um, and then the white, uh, the white terrorist who has a Rorschach mask on throws a head of lettuce into the window. So he's, that's in the car with him. So uh, we cut from that scene to uh, it's the all black uh, cast of Oklahoma, the, the musical. And mm -hmm. we get to kind of get introduced to Judd Crawford, who was the captain of police and his wife, Gail. And they um, were supposed to actually go to the to this play with two other people that will um, we'll get introduced to in just a little bit. So another police officer comes in and basically says, Cap, you know, you got to come out. Something bad has happened. Let's you know, we got to go. So he leaves. Um, and then it goes directly to the hospital and is met by one of the another main characters. Um, his name is Wade and he's wearing a mask as well, like all police, but his is completely covering his face. And it's kind of like a mirror looking glass looking, looking thing. And his name is, uh, or his alias is Looking Glass. Am I correct, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. His, his alias is Looking Glass. And I love this actor. I forget, I need to go back and research his name. He is just He's just phenomenal. I've seen him in so many movies. Um, he was in Brother of Where Art Thou, which I love him in as well. Um, so he meets him. He kind of starts debriefing the captain on what's going on. And Tim Nelson, Tim Nelson. Tim Nelson, okay, he's great. Um, so he is kind of debriefing the captain. The captain, he has the captain sh uh, suit there so he can go ahead and change. And um, he, the captain, he's like, you don't want me to call, go call, you know, Sister Knight and Red. And he was like, no, let them sleep, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, we're like, oh, who is, who's, who's this Sister Knight? I don't know who this person is. So um, you, uh, so they're kind of figuring out the officer is in the hospital bed waiting to go to surgery and is still breathing at this time. So um, the captain goes and pays respects to the officer's family. And then you kind of get a little bit more about this world is that they have to hide their identity from everyone. So they have to, you have to make up an alias for what your job is, who you really are, what you do at night when you leave the house, because it's not safe for people to know what's going on. Um, Kim? Everyone except the chief of police. Yes, everyone's up, I'm sorry, for the chief of police. His face is never covered. He just has his cowboy hat on and he goes out and he's like, you know, fuck these people, let's do what we have to do. So... <laughs> So um, he goes and definitely pays respect to uh, the officer's wife and is going to try to get the officer to a safe place and get her to a safe place as well. So from that scene, we cut over and we meet this lady named Angela Abar, who is in her son's class and she's teaching the class about Vietnamese cooking. And, um, and you see her trying to uh, show them how to, a cool way to separate egg whites from egg yolks with like this little um, you can use like a, a water bottle to pull them out or whatever. And she's kind of talking through how she learned that and where she's from. And she was, she grew up in Vietnam. Uh, what we learn in this scene is um, that Vietnam is a U.S., is a state of the U.S. So now they are part of our territory. She was born, uh, this Angela Abar was born in um, Oklahoma, but she moved to Vietnam with her family, was raised there. Um, she used to be a police officer, um, uh, she says, but then something happened called the White Night. And during the White Night, uh, it was basically when these terrorists came and um, used these Rorschach masks and killed a lot of officers. So she says, oh, I'm retired from that. You know, I bake now. So that's really great. Um, and then we find out that Robert Redford, it, the actor, is the president of the United States of America. And the descendants of the people who died in the Tulsa massacre um, are able to give reparations. And a little boy in the class who clearly his parents are racist and are teaching him how to be a, the number one racist as well, says this term called redforations. So he says, oh, did you have, did you pay for your bakery with redforations? Redford, 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 redford
um, from um, being a descendant to build whatever company because you know that's a terrible thing to actually be helped. This is where I, how I got it. It's my money. I'm oh, sorry because that's yes, I'm yes. <laughs> and then you see, you, yes. Um, then we meet her little boy. His name is Topher, and you know he he was like he ready to, to beat people up all the time. So I'm just like, so he gets into it with the little boy, and they get into an argument, um, and they kind of cut the scene. And you see her say, "It's time for us to go home." They get in the car, and on their their way home, they're driving. He's, he has a bloody nose, and these alarms start going off, like uh, like like almost like tornado alarms or drill alarms. And another thing that we learn is that um, at any given time, these little baby squid can start raining from the sky on everything. Like they just start falling out of the sky, but they, they're, it's, it's a dangerous thing because they can crack glass. They could hurt something. They could do all these things. And then after they, after they fall from the sky, they kind of just dissolve into slimy grossness. So we're learning that they're strange squid falling from, from the sky that you have to deal with all the time. Um, Angela Abar is uh, played by Regina King, who um, is just, when I tell you phenomenal, uh, it, this gave me an entire, I looked at her differently after this role um, with how brilliant I really think that she is. Um, and she just took it to a whole other level. So these are- that moment that I, I knew that this show was, was different. Well, well, I'll tell you, it was at the moment where Blanket Jackson was her, her mm -hmm. son. And I was like, um, that that I knew the show was gonna be different. And then the squids came, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can I yeah. echo Blanket Jackson? Because I was like, he do look like look at little blanket. <laughs> I was like, what Blanket Jackson? How soon? I guess to get more <clears throat> to get more background about the uh, squid thing. So this the miniseries is kind of like a it's kind of a sequel to the uh, graphic novel, and in the graphic novel. Um, the character will we'll meet eventually. Teleporting a giant squid from another from another dimension into New York City on top, and it crash landed, and it killed like three million people. So he, um, so that's why that squid alert or that squid teleportation thing falling from the sky is kind of a reference to the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And okay. that to try to you know, avoid nuclear war between yeah. to to save the world to yeah, bring yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Exactly. Okay. So they get, so uh, Angela has to get out of the car. She kind of scrapes off the windshield and the little squid just kind of dissolve into nothing so they can go home. But once the air, once those um, uh, so sounds go off or the sirens go off, you have to kind of stop and just deal with these stupid squid and they smell and they're gross. So ugh, I would not want to live in this world with their fall from the sky. So when she pulls up to her house, she sees her husband is out there. He's gorgeous. His name is Cal. And one of their little girls is ha hanging out. They're kind of, they're doing the same thing, spraying off all the nasty squid um, from the street. And he says, uh, your pager's been going off all morning. And I love that they still have beepers. I don't know why I, I like that. I don't know. Um, he said, your pager's been going off all morning. There's no internet in this world. Oh, okay. So there's no internet. Okay. I didn't get that. I didn't really? get that. And, and I really? I thought they did that because it's it's probably like the only form of communication that's not hackable. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. There's, There's no, no internet in the world. I love in it. this okay. world. I like it. So but no internet in this world, which is is hot. So she has her old school, and them, them pages are huge. Um, so it says, if, and it reads little big, uh, little big horn, which is whatever the code message. Like you got to get you some shit just went down. You need to get your behind here so we can help things out. So what we learned in this scene is that they have three, that she's married to a guy named Cal. He's beautiful and gorgeous and fantastic. Um, they have three children who are all uh, not, not uh, 
black children. They are, um, I don't know if they are white or they're just not black children. So you can you realize that they didn't give birth to these kids um, and that she owns this bakery that she has a, a bakery building. Let's say she owns a bakery building and we'll leave it at that for right now. Um, so after uh, Angela gets this message, she's like, I got to boogie on down. I got to go make sure you get, you know, get the, um, there's one other little girl. She's at school. So basically she wants all her kids and her family at home um, after she sees this kind of this scary message. So Angela then goes, so she's like, I'm about to, I gotta go. So before she goes to the police station, she stops off at her bakery where we think like, oh, okay, she just taught these little kids how to make Vietnamese cookies. It's a Vietnamese bakery. This is kind of cute. Um, and she encounters this man, this random old black man sitting in a wheelchair. And he just starts asking her like, he says, do you think I can lift 200 pounds? And she was like, yeah, I'm sure. You're like a old, you're like a thousand years old. Like, why are you bothering me? Leave me alone. Um, so he just kind of, they, she kind of brushes him off, didn't really pay him that much attention, and then goes into the bakery, uh, where she, it's not a bakery, we see that it's, nothing's been built, nothing's been <laughs> made into a bakery, um, it's kind of like her underground tunnel and her bat cave, so she basically turns into this character, Sister Knight, where she paints her eyes, she puts on her red badass, about to kick some ass uh, suit, she got her long uh, leather coat on, and she gets to this badass black car, and I was like, I like where this is going. So, um, I, I love all that. Marcus, you have anything to say about any of any of that part? No, no, no. Okay. I just so, knew that going for Halloween, but go ahead. Wait, say that again. <laughs> I just, I just immediately, immediately knew that's who I would be for Halloween. That's oh yeah, hundred percent. But who knew with COVID you could be like that now? And it would be <laughs> you don't even have to wait till Halloween. Okay. I was going to say, it was perfect down to the mask. It's, it's already laid out. <laughs> COVID ready. She is, Sister Knight is red for COVID. So before Sister Knight even gets to the um, police station, she stops out at a place called, it's like a trailer park um, with poor white people called Nixonville, which was like, that is really extra, um, where she grabs this guy and she was like, uh, uh, you already my, you the, you the usual suspect. Let's go ahead and get your ass in this car before the captain even gives her permission. She was like, you about to go with me. So she throws him in the car and she heads over to the precinct, to the station where there's already a meeting in progress. And you see the video of, so you see all of the cops there. They all have their masks on. Uh, the detectives, they are the ones that kind of like Sister Knight and um, uh, yes. Looking Glass, they have full masks on and they're having this big meeting and you see the 7th Cavalry has now come back. Like they're back, they're ready to go. They got their Rorschach mask on. They keep saying TikTok, TikTok, and they're threatening the police in this meeting. So uh, some of the things that we learned in this meeting is that the Cavalry has not been seen in three years um, since the uh, White Knight happened. So they've kind of just gone silent. Um, all the police have to wear masks, no matter what, the detectives and the police. And they even, they don't wear masks, they even wear masks around each other, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, you have a character called the Panda, and he wears this gross kind of like big panda head, um, but he's kind of the bureaucrat. He's the rule, he knows what the rules are. He's the one that a lot of times have to give you approval if you can use your gun. So he had his big rule book and you can do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, we find out that Nixonville um, is this trailer park where the poor white people live. Uh, we know um, that we find out that Sister Knight and the captain are actually pretty close. Um, she kind of goes in his office and hangs out. They talk very familiar with each other. It's not like a captain um, employee. It's, it's a friendship that they have. Uh, we find out that there's something called the pod. And the pod is where they question uh, the different suspects. 
and Looking Glass actually does it. And when you walk in, they show you different pictures in, in a kind of a Rorschach test type mm -hmm. of format. He asks you questions why things are happening on the screen and there, he's reading your actual bodily, um, I don't know if it's your endorphin levels that he's seeing. Marcus, what is he seeing? How is he seeing them differently well, well, in that? And, and, I, and I'll say, I've watched, he, he's really just reading his face, kind of like a Rorschach test. But what I think what really tipped him off and let him know that he was a part of Seventh Cavalry was the questions he was asking. And, uh -huh. he asked him, and he asked him a question about, do you believe all Americans should pay taxes? Or, and the guy said, yes. But I think a part of the Red Foundations or the, the Red Foundations reparations, black people don't pay taxes. Oh, okay, okay. Got Correct. you. So that was like, oh, got Correct. you. And that's, got what him, and that's what let him know that he was a part of the Seventh Cavalry. Perfect. So um, looking at us is like, uh, hey, so tonight, yeah, this fool, he a part of these, these dum-dums. Let's, let's go ahead and get them. Um, so they take him out of the pod. We find out that Sister Knight, um, uh, once she, uh, once Looking Glass tells her, yes, he is in on it, he knows what's going on. She then takes old boy and starts beating him up, basically, just kicks the shit out of him to get, <laughs> to get uh, the information that he needs in this little room. So I was like, okay, do what you got to do, boo. What's up? I had a problem with that scene, and I got a problem with a lot of those scenes in TV. Like, again, it's another show that's glorifying police brutality mm -hmm. for the hope that it'll get a suspect to tell the truth. Yeah. I, I just got a problem with that scene. So we, we probably shouldn't torture people, is like what we're saying. Like, it, that's not a good thing. Don't torture I, people. I mean, torture, they shouldn't even assault them. Or they, I mean, really touch them. I mean, like, it, I feel like it's, de it's desensitized the public to the point well, like, people think, like, if you don't comply with a cop's request, you mm -hmm. deserve to die. And that's not the case. Yeah. No, you do not deserve to die. That's not okay. Um, it works in this world. I mean, I think it fits this world, though. You know what I'm saying? That, that makes yeah. sense in this world. Mm -hmm. I get it. And I feel, yeah, I, I agree with everybody. I agree with everybody. Um, then we see Sister Knight. Uh, so when she goes and beats him up, which is something that we're not condoning on this show. But understand it's in this world um, that she finds out that the seventh is held up at this cattle ranch. Like that's kind of their headquarters by this guy. So he really he she must have really uh, kicked his ass really bad because he pre gave up pretty pretty quickly. So in the next scene, we find out like okay, we about to roll to the cattle ranch. Everybody, let's let's uh, mount up. We about to roll out. So the seventh is uh, what we find in the next scene. It is really a cattle ranch where cows are walking around and living their best lives, I guess. Uh, there's a, um, a house there. Uh, so they, they kind of figure out what's going on. So the seventh um, is in the house, but they're removing watch batteries, like of old watches, like uh, pocket watches or what we, I say old, but they're kind of like what we use now in our own batteries in our houses and everything. They're taking those out and putting these in kind of like big buckets by the thousands. It looks just thousands of these little, these little batteries. Uh, we find out that uh, they also have these kind of suicide pills. I'm not sure what the pills are, but they all give them out. Like in case you're captured, you know, you know, we'd rather just die. We don't want you giving information take this pill so we can go ahead and be dead. So you don't give, give us away. Um, and then they have this really crazy shootout where the scene is insane because they're like actually shooting up. They're shooting out, uh, the police are shooting at the 7th Cavalry. The 7th Cavalry guy is on the back of the truck with like this high powered machine gun shooting up all the cows. I was just like, they were literally just shooting up all these poor cows. I felt so, so bad for these cows as well. So you have that happening. 
And then the guys with, uh, they took all the batteries and put them in these little packs, these backpacks, and then ran. They had an actual airplane. So they go on the airplane and they get into the air and you're like, uh, this is not going to be a good situation because they're about to get, they're about to leave with all of these batteries. Why do they even have these batteries? What's going on? You have the captain um, in, I, Marcus, and I called it the, the owl ship, but I don't know what that thing is called that they were flying. Because it wasn't a regular plane. What was that called? No, no, it, um, it goes back to um, the movie. Um, mm -hmm. One of the Watchmen characters from the movie, uh, I think, I'm, his name is escaping me right now, but one of the uh, superheroes from that movie or the heroes from that movie, he, his, he had a flying ship that was in the shape of an owl. Mm -hmm. um, so the, it's really his ship or the technology from his ship. Okay, that they have. So yeah. the captain, the captain, and do you know the lady's name that wears, um, that's in there, she's the one piloting? She wears the mask that's the metal kind of chain, um, metal. Oh, I, I don't know her name. I don't know her name. Okay, we will know her name. She only pops up a couple times in this yeah. first episode, but we'll know her name later. The captain Crawford's in there as well, and he basically locks in. He's like, we got, he about to take this plane out. So they shoot, they basically have, um, it looked like a kind of a flamethrower and they burn up the uh, the plane that the guys that smuggled the batteries um, out on. So it goes down and then they also crash, but they're both okay. At the end of the day, everybody um, on our team, the police are alive. So that scene ends. And then Is we're that our team? I mean, or the we'll say the police team, the police guys, <laughs> the officers. Our, 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 uh, officers in their watchmen uh, types of gear and face masks. That's what we'll say. So then we cut to a completely different world. When I first watched this, I was like, I thought that my, uh, I thought I had something wrong with my HBO. And I thought I'd just turn to another show because I didn't know what was going on. So we, <laughs> we kind of end up watching this man ride a white horse, this older white guy. He's riding his white horse on like this English side country, beautiful estate where everything's gorgeous and green and you just pop up. You don't, they haven't introduced him. It, we're just in this, this person's world um, where he uh, is riding his horse. He hops off the horse and he has two staff people that help him um, as he's typing naked. Uh, Mrs. Crookshanks is massaging his legs and Mr. Phillips is his kind of the butler of the house. So you meet these two people, but that kind of funny, you don't really know what's what's happening. You don't know what this man's name is. You just know there's Crookshanks, there's Mr. Phillips, and they call him master. So they call the, the guy on the horse master, and that's it in this first episode. So you, um, you see that there's like, oh, it's time for our celebration. I want to celebrate our anniversary. And they make him this cake. And they're singing, he's a jolly good fellow. And to cut the cake, Mr. Phillips gives him a um, horseshoe. And you're like, and I, I wrote down, something's not quite right here. That's kind of strange. <laughs> and the master was like, he's just kind of annoyed. He's like, that's not what we, how I can cut a cake. You know, basically idiot. Um, he's like, oh, I should have used, I should have used a knife. So he's trying to, you get that he didn't quite get something uh, worked out. So they, he eats the cake and Mr. Phillips hands him a little gift wrapped up in kind of like an animal skin. And it's a beautiful uh, a pocket watch, like a gold pocket watch. And he thanks him and he's like, oh guys, thank you so much for everything. And I'm going to write a play. 
is going to be called The Watchman's Son. And you're going to both be in the leads. And they're just excited and happy. But you still kind of think something is not quite right about anything happening. If you didn't have, if your skin wasn't crawling through this whole, whole scene, you're a crazy person. Because I was <laughs> like, I was nervous. I didn't know what was going on. I, you don't know who they are, what, what world you're in. So I thought that was an interesting way to now introduce the other half of this story. Do you guys have anything to add about that, Kim? Okay. Okay. All right. So um, I was thoroughly creeped out by this whole scene. Um, I'm like, Crookshanks, Phillips, get away from this, <laughs> this old white guy. He's bad news. I don't like him. And I don't think you should go to this, be in this play. I don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then they kind of, they're all excited. They're going to be the leads of the play. And then it just cuts away. We're out of his world. Um, we go back to Angela. And uh, we're in her world now, uh, kind of in modern day, and her family is having uh, dinner with uh, Captain Crawford and his wife, Gail, and they're, you know, with their kids, just having a fun time, and they're singing, and we find out that uh, Captain Crawford played uh, one of the lead roles in Oklahoma, the, uh, the play, and he's singing. He's also um, doing some coke. Uh, she said it was a really rough week and I've never done coke, so I don't know how rough your week has to be to, to do that with little kids around. I don't know, but he's had it tough. Hey, I mean, um, during COVID, I thought about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I don't judge anybody at this point. Just do what you have to do to live. Um, and I just wanted to say, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say it, that, um, shout out to Don Johnson because he has aged very well. He looked really he looked pretty good for his age. Still, he looks phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, vice going on. I see you. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I did not say that. Uh, Captain Captain Judd Crawford is played by Don Johnson, and he is looking very great. I, yes. I He's I got zaddy status. Zaddy status. Yeah, he got some zaddy. happening. Zaddy yes. Going on. <laughs> I, listen, I'm from Texas. I love a Stetson. I'm like, then he put his cowboy hat on too, and I was like, okay, I like this. I I I like this look, sir. Um, so you have them at the kitchen table and you start hearing in the background a ticking of a clock. And I was like, is this, is it me? Am I losing my mind? Like, is there something really going on? Like, I, you know, I'm always very nervous. I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. I don't never know when, when stuff is about to shake down. So you kind of hear this ticking of the clock and they do an overhead shot of them at the dinner table. They kind of have this beautiful round table and you're looking at their, um, the light fixture and it looks like the face of a clock. Uh, and kind of how the shadows fall on the table and you just hear tick 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 so it was it was it just reminded me like oh gosh so the silver cavalry just had that tick-tock foolishness as well we saw a watch um at the old scary white guy's house with, that mr phillips gave him so you kind of get these these plays around this clock and um what's happening it's so it's the name of the watchman I am the watchman. Uh, so I, I, I like how they incorporated those little bits and pieces. So Judd, at the end of dinner, Judd and uh, or, uh, uh, Captain Crawford and um, Angela go outside and he says, um, yeah, you know what they found, what I found were all those, uh, they're called synthetic lithium watch batteries. Uh, remember when, and they said a lot of people got sick from them. He said, that's what was in the plane. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of weird. That's strange, isn't it? They, they kind of both say yes. And then the next scene, Judd and his wife go home. They're trying to, uh, there's a TV show about to come on. And Judd is kind of talking to his wife a little bit, trying to wind down for the evening. And he gets, um, he gets a page and he's like, I, I got to go. You know, uh, the, 
the officer's out of surgery, you know, I want to go to go talk to him and, you know, be there with him. He gets dressed and he gets in his car and he kind of pat, you see outside of his house, all these police are there <clears throat> because under, remember that he doesn't cover his face. So everybody knows who he is. They probably know where he lives. Um, his wife said, make sure you don't drive, you know, basically like, dude, you've been doing coke all night and drinking, like maybe you should be driving. But um, he's like, oh, I won't. So he goes and gets in his truck. He starts driving and uh, his tires start to blow out. Like you tell somebody something has happened, they blow his tires. So he gets out and kind of checks it out and he looks up and then you just see these flashing lights, just kind of flashing his light, his eyes and yours. So it kind of makes you, make everybody a little bit kind of off kilter. And then that's kind of all you see of him for, for that couple of minutes. And then we cut to Cal and Angela making sweet, sweet love um, in their house, trying not to wake the kids up. Uh, that was very, I thought that was a very good scene. I give that an A plus, uh, myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to stop. Like, I like it. <laughs> no, the, the insecure sex scenes are better. <laughs> that was a good scene, though. That was a good scene. And you can tell which one of us is single and has been in, uh, in COVID-19 <laughs> lockdown for about four months. <laughs> so, I'm not single, and I was with you, Mel. I'm not <laughs> okay. single, but I was with you. <laughs> so they're like, you know, having a good time. Try not to wake the kids up. And um, Angela's uh, phone is just kind of going going off. She was like, oh, hold on. I got I to answer the phone. Hold on. So she answers the phone. And this somebody that she does not know tells her, I need you to meet me at on this road in front of this old tree and don't wear a mask. I already know who you are. So she was like, wait, what? She immediately goes into uh, sister night mode. She's not playing any game. She gets her rifle. She gets in her car. She leaves immediately. And she uh, drives down this same, the road into the tree where this guy told her to go. And now, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, no. <laughs> sorry. Now, I just wanted to say uh, real quick, like, when she, when she rolled on that bed and did the little compartment behind the bed and grabbed the that was, hot. was like, you know, whatever she said to her husband, I just... I shed a thug tear. Like, I, I just fell <laughs> in love with her at that moment. It's just, yes. we can never be untethered from each other now. Our spirit. Go ahead. And I, but I love because she's, all, no matter what time of day it is, no matter what's happening, no matter, you better, if you get your sweet, sweet love making on, she's always about business and she's about protecting her family. Right. So she was like, I'm get this gun. We about to roll out. I got to go see what's going on at this tree. Um, so she basically goes to the same road. She gets out of her car and she looks up and uh, the, there's a light not shining her eye. But once he takes the light down, she was like, wait a minute, this is the old man who was in the wheelchair who was outside of her bakery. And she sees, um, that, um, the, the captain, uh, is stand is been hung. She's just, he's hung, hanging from a tree. He's missing a shoe. Um, his badge is on the ground. So the old man, um, you know, is just sitting there like, he, he did ask you. I was like, well, he, the guy did ask you, did do you think that he could potentially, you know, lift 200 pounds? And I guess he can. So right. you see, um, so she she's just, you know, heartbroken. She's taken back. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. She doesn't know what to make of it. Um, and the old man, at the end of this scene, you see he's holding the note that the little boy had um, that his dad stuck in his pocket uh, in 1921. And you kind of, that's when you make the connection that this is the same person. He is the boy that survived the Tulsa uh, massacre. And we just see Angela standing there and she is ready to 
now kind of figure out what's going on. Why this old man got his, how, how he's, he strung him up. Why did he kill my boss? What's going on? You know, who are you? What's happening? So she's just kind of, the scene ends with her just looking dumbfounded. Yeah. I mean, I, I, part, I think she's overcoming grief because clearly her and Judd had a close relationship. Yes. Well, she's such a, she's such a thug that, uh, not thug, but she's just so gangster with it that she, she, like you said, she's just all about her business. She don't ever show it. Like she doesn't show it until later on. Um, but yeah, I just, I really like, I really love her in this role. I cannot say that enough. <laughs> she's phenomenal. Uh, Regina King, she's phenomenal. I, today I thought after watching it for the second time, I was really triggered um, because I forgot how intense that first scene uh, is when you enter that world. You're like, God, like everything that we're going through now and just, you know, you can just, it's a diff. It hits differently. You feel you feel differently after you saw after the couple of weeks ago us watching military gas. You know, people who are doing peaceful protests. You know, so it everything just hit differently. And I I did have to take uh, Xanax before um, I started this. Uh, and every everything about it is just eerie now. From the mm-hmm. whole from it from the centerpiece of the story being Tulsa. Yep. To mm-hmm. the whole Tulsa thing with the president a few weeks yep. ago. The silver unrest, even down to the fucking masks, like exactly, exactly. It's eerie. It's It's so eerie. Like it's prophetic. Like I said, it's like whether you're telling this story and whether you fast forward or rewind a hundred years in American history, black history, white supremacy. Like these are these are tales as old as time in America. Whether it's eighteen twenty, nineteen twenty, or twenty twenty, right. I, I just wanted to say that at the opening scene as hard to watch as it was, it the it was just well done. Like the cinematography on it, it was I hate to say beautiful, but it kinda was beautiful. Even even though what it was portraying, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Really really well done, I, you know. I feel cause you felt like if you felt like, oh God, I'm here right now watch like you felt like okay i could be in this situation just even even the sounds uh, whoever does the sound for this show does a great job as well but that's something i never paid attention to i really only pay attention to sound uh editing when i'm in, like looking at a war scene because it's so spot on and mm-hmm. i think they did a really good job of bringing us in um into that it, it was devastating it was yeah devastating. Yeah, I mean, I think Lindelof and Audrey, really all the writers on the show did a, a really good job. I, in doing some research, like, I learned, they started writing this show in, like, August or September 2017. And it didn't, it, it, I guess it took two years to get the whole entire thing done. It's and done the- so well. I mean, it's done, it's done so perfectly. Um, now let's just oppose that to how long it took the Double D's to write to last season. It took them two years, and you see the difference. Like this shit was amazing. From you got GTSD. I'm just saying, like this is how you write a story when you care about it. You put time. Well, into it. Period. Yeah. Well, and, and you did and a lot of research between between reading the case for reparations, where they mentioned the Tulsa um, massacre, and actually reading the book. I think he said Tulsa night one. Like he was very intentional and thoughtful about what was happening and how he could place this story. Yeah. Where the double D's just went off of a hope and a dream. 
<laughs> and, and he had, and, and I, what I loved um, in hearing, because with that also this uh, has another companion podcast I listen to after every episode, that was Lindelof um, giving, uh, telling you about how it was made and how he did everything. And they were, I think, I think there were maybe three or four podcasts. They did like three or four episodes kind of uh, clumped together. And he wasn't talking about like what we did. We recapped. He was like, this is what was happening. This is why I did this. It was really cool. And he was so intentional of ha with having his writers be women and women of color. Exactly. So black, well, black women, let me say, let me say it like that. So that, I think that when you have, when you allow us to be a part of that creating of that process, then it's, you're going to have a better product for everybody because you're not telling our story. We're telling our story, even though we weren't there. Exactly. So I, I feel, I, I thought his writer's room, the way he, the way he just talked about that was phenomenal. Um, I, after, after I saw the first episode, I'm like, I need right now, today, I need a sister night, um, spinoff. <laughs> right. Um, I feel like we need a, I think we need a spinoff. We need a, I need a song. Give me anything. We need something to look, to look forward to uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I remember that this first episode was like, I don't know how else to describe it. I just felt like it was just sexy. That's the only word I could come up with. Just, just how it looked, how it was shot. Just, it was just appealing visually. Mm -hmm. Everything I I cannot. That's the only way I can explain. Like it had me hooked, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I like I watched the movie. Yeah. So I knew some things. I was like I yeah. knew I knew the owl um like flying apparatus belonged to uh I forget his name, but I knew the owl guy. So I knew that was his. Uh -huh. The little owl mug. I was like, okay, that's a shout out to him. So I knew you know I knew certain things, but overall I was like because it's more so based off of the um graphic novel um i still didn't know what the hell was going on but i was just like hooked immediately no nah, like the, i think they used some special type of lens when they were filming this and then the color yeah the color schemes and the color palettes they were like they were on insecure level <laughs> yeah yeah every, every i wasn't hooked immediately because i was so confused my first time watching this like the first few acts i was like oh this show is good i'm into it once they brought in uh that the other world i was like what okay now you've lost me. i i <laughs> so confused i don't know what's happening and what I, I think that's when i that's what started intriguing me because i didn't know what the hell was going on but it was so out in left field i was intrigued by how this connected back to the main story so mm -hmm. that when uh what's his name Oz his real name is Ozymandias, but what what was his like superhero name? Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Yeah. No, nah, it was another. He had another name or something when he was. Like, Boy. Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, Bite. Oh, like his, Bite. Adrian yeah, Bite. Bite. Adrian Bite. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I knew I I I eventually figured out that's who he was, but I didn't I didn't know what was going on. There, but I was just intrigued by how this was going to connect back to Tulsa and all the black people. Like, what? So, well, I walked in. I didn't know nothing about nothing. So, all I, I, I knew was this was a good show with Don Johnson and Louis Gossett Jr. and Regina King. And all of a sudden, we got robot people clone and a white man somewhere. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and I, because I love the fact, like. I love that throughout, 
us watching the show in real time that Lindelof never gave you the answers, even in his podcast. He was like, I'm not giving you the answers to these things. People, mm-hmm. we were asking, the people, people were legit asking questions. They were like, I'm not telling you. It's not. Figure it out. Either figure it out or don't figure it out. It's not for me to tell you. It's for yeah. you to figure it out. Experience. And I love it. Experience it. Experience it. Because I was like, are these clones? Are they strange clones? Or I did something about they, are they, are they uh, animatronics? Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what, what, what? what? I don't know. They need to run. They need to run from this man. He's crazy. He's, he's well, run from him. <laughs> Crookshanks. Speaking for all the first timers who knew nothing about nothing, uh, he almost lost me because I was like, "Wait, okay." I, I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to return. I don't know what's going on. So I was like, "I'll give this two more episodes, and if I don't understand by episode three, mm-hmm. I'm out." <laughs> but yeah. I got there. But I was like, "What the?" I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I had to listen to every podcast, read every article, try to f- figure it out. Yeah. But it was, I think that was part of the fun of the experience though. Right. Cause I, I didn't remember, I didn't remember him from the movie and I didn't, in the movie, it was something I didn't really like. I didn't enjoy the movie. I went and saw it, but I didn't enjoy really? it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I saw it in high school. It's when it came, when it was, it came out when I was in high school. I didn't know anything about the world. I just thought the movie was okay. It really wasn't. I didn't think it was that great. I thought it came out in like 2011 or something. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, yeah, 2008, 2009. You wanted high school, man. I didn't see it when I was an adult, though. I saw it when I was in school. I don't think the it movie, came out in 2009. That movie was yeah. way before then. I, I've seen, I saw the movie when I was in school. The Watchmen? I saw it in Memphis, Tennessee, and I wasn't in Memphis during that time. No, Watchmen definitely came out in 2009. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I thought I saw it in high school. That's, like, that's no. why eyewitness accounts aren't reliable. Because I would have right. <laughs> given my firstborn child if that movie came out in 1997. You could have told me. I'm no telling you. <laughs> I'm I'm not blasting Tupac <laughs> in the background while watching the watch. You no, but, different than that. But the move, but the movie has like that old timey like filter. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. And th- was that is that uh, Zack Snyder? Was that his movie? Whose movie was that? Yes, that's who directed it. Yep. Yeah, I should. I thought I was in high school. Sorry, guys. I was here in Atlanta. <laughs> I, was here. I I did not. I just didn't. I, I'm. I think I'm going to try to rewatch the movie after all of this. And see if I maybe like it. Maybe look at it differently. Um, it may it may hit different. I don't know. I I feel like in the movie I was bored a lot of it because I didn't know what was going on. I, yeah. I saw. No, I think if if you watch the movie not knowing anything about it, it could lose you very quickly. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. Just like he almost lost me in this episode. Like, I was like, like the, the opening, good. Like, like the opening scene of the movie. There's some action and a fight scene. But after that, it's a lot of narrative and world building. And if you don't mm-hmm. know anything, yeah, you can, I understand you can not like it from there. I yeah. like in the movie, even though I never heard of the Watchmen before this. Like, I'm, I've never been into graphic, you know, I, I've never really been into comic books or graphic novels, anything. Um, but I liked, I knew that it was supposed to be kind of like a dark superhero movie. And I kind of liked that. And that's the only reason I watched it. Um, yeah. I liked it. But it wasn't a movie that I like revisited over and over. I mean, it was cool. I didn't hate it. I didn't fall in love with it. It was just it just was what it was. But it was enough that it was interesting to me that Kiki got 
the show even without ever seeing the movie either. Because I kind of wondered that. I was like, do people who never saw the movie mm. nor did they read the graphic novel, do they get this at all? So uh, I didn't get what was happening until episode three. So you all, let me tell you. I, the first episode, again, was great. It was yeah. great TV. But when he introduced that other world, and I'm like, if things ticking and people dying, I was like, I don't know what's happening. But I'm going to come back next week. I don't know. <laughs> I might be too dumb for this show. I might be too dumb. No, if, you, if you can understand Game of Thrones, you can understand Watchmen. If you understand True Detectives, you got to watch me down. Ooh, I was yeah. a struggle, though. Because True Detectives was complicated. Right. But no, I, I, yeah, I really liked it. I, I loved it. I thought it was, it was brilliant. I hate that it's not going to be any more seasons of it. Um, that kind of sucked. There but, may be a season. So mm -hmm. he may not do it. Lyndall, uh, what's his name? Lyndall Lind Loft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He may not do it. What he did say was that if it should be done again, that the person that he would pass it off to is Ryan Coogler. Yeah. He oh, nice. That would be really great. I, I like that. But you know what? Uh, do I like that? Do I like that? I was, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, I don't know about that. Why wouldn't you like that? I think you would. It would just, you would like it. I think, don't, you would like it. I, I, I would, it, Ryan would have to sit down with uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons and talk about it, like, just to pick their brains on that. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Who are those people? They're, Who are them people, Hoppo? Yeah, but I should have, <laughs> I should have. They're the ones who wrote the graphic novel. But what, like, I don't, I don't know of many stories in Ryan Coogler's hands that just went awry that wasn't good, decent to good. Yeah. No, no, no. Creed 2 went awry. But well, he wasn't uh, to direct that, though. He didn't direct that. Fruit, oh, that's right. Fruitvale, Creed, The Black Panther. When you, you know, they're decent. Right. Yeah. I, 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 part of me feels like, but this this season one set such a high bar that that's he's going to have to do something. I don't know if he can top that. Well, he would have the same writers. So this is what I heard. Yeah. That if he passed, the writers room would still be the same, minus David Lindelof. Um, they, 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 they don't meet Lindelof. They don't meet Ryan Coogler. The writers can write it. Well, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I will watch it if it comes. No matter what, I'll watch it. I, this is a world that I, I'm love, I love. And I, I, I gravitate towards things that are grittier or darker anyway. So that's what attracted me to the movie. I was like, oh, is this like about, it's the superheroes, but they're really shitty? Like, okay, yeah. Sign me up. They're the worst. <laughs> I like it. The same so. way we love the boys. <laughs> yes. And the boys, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I heard that was coming back in what, September? Yeah, I'm excited. So excited. Now about my first graphic novel, which I've never been a fan of reading comics, but I'm starting the uh, Paper Girl series. So I'm excited about that. I don't even know what that is, but you know, I'm not in that universe. So you have yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited. I feel like um, this is in talk, they're in talks now to make this uh, like the next thing. So Y'all didn't think some things were strange, though, in this first. Mine is what was obviously strange, which was uh, the robot clone, we don't know people. Mine is them. I, was, I, I thought Regina, um, Sister Knight's uh, 
husband was acting weird in the first episode. Um, I was like, this was strange. Either way, I felt like he was acting strange. Mm-hmm. And I was I like, thought- something about this was strange. Like, this sex seems real good, yeah. but he real slow. It's something real <laughs> odd about this guy. I thought he was. I thought he was normal until the when what I when he red flagged for me was episode two. Episode one, I thought he was just like the stay at home dad. He, um, you know, he just seemed really calm. He exactly. seemed very like subservient to her. Like he's like, you're the alpha in the house. I'm the beta, and we're gonna make this all work. I'm gonna take care of these babies, and you go and shoot people with rifles and do your thing. You keep us safe and. We go from there because he even asked me like, "Are, are we safe?" When, yeah. Before she left the house, and she was like, "We gonna we gonna be fine." If you see somebody come down the street before they make it to this house, blow their fucking head off. Like even like, that's oh, weird. Okay. But like, even that part was weird because I was, I was about like that. because she went and got that bed, got that rifle. So he he did not seem phased. Like his yeah. demeanor was like, I mean, his words were, "Are we gonna be safe?" Right? Yes. His nonverbal was like. He had no effort. Yeah. I was like, there's something is strange with this guy. I don't know what it is. Like in the um first episode, I just felt like he deferred to her on that time. Me too. Yeah. Was, officer had been the officer for however many years. And you know, it is yeah, what it had is. me wondering if he was one of the clone people. I I'm seriously, I'm like, <laughs> is he one? because he really seemed dumb? I was like, he's sexy, he's cute. And the sex is real good, but it's something not quite right with this guy. Something not, something not quite right in Peoria. And something wasn't he, quite right. I just thought he was so cute as the supportive husband. And Me too. I was like, I love this. Like this. I love that he was a supportive husband, probably because he was too dumb to get a job or something. I was like, wow. something is not right with this guy. Something ain't right. <laughs> They're too dumb to get a job. Yeah. It's not Lawrence. I don't understand why he uh weird. It's weird. Yeah. I get it. With a boss bitch. That's why. He just Yeah, you could be with a boss bitch and not be weird though. Like most boss, boss bitches bitch. you would suspect he like he seemed dumb as a box of rocks. You oh, and the baby. You get right. the shotgun out the bed, baby. Are we all right, baby? And see that's how I like my man, Dawson. <laughs> I be yeah, like but he doesn't even that. like that. He just stood there and was like, Are we safe? <laughs> <laughs> I was I thought he would get a brain industry. I was like, he probably just has a brain industry. You're um, clearly industry. not safe if she's getting a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I just thought he had brain damage. I was like, I think this guy has brain damage. I think he just got shot in the head. That he just has brain damage now. He's crazy. Doesn't know anything. Mm. You know how to cook them eggs and, and make them pancakes and call it day. Hey, if you can make you breakfast and lay good pipe. Why does he have to have conversation? Oh, I'm sorry. That was so toxic. I'm sorry, Mark. Right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> Why must he be intelligent too? This this is way too much to ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. We're out. Yeah. All until right. Next time. Yeah. Until next time, guys. We'll we'll hit you back up, and we'll keep figuring this out and work out our awesome format with you and give you more hot takes so we'll see you next time bye 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 Bye.